The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Any health advice given, whether general, diet, physical or spiritual, is general only and must be verified by your doctor. If you need medical advice, please consult a doctor. It's called excitement, bro. Uh, Suleiman Rafiq, how are you, brother? Alhamdulillah, I'm very good. How are you, Fahad? Alhamdulillah. See, when when I'm feeling excited, it's happened. It happens. It's fine. <laughs> this program is broadcasting live from the studios of Inspire FM today, Thursday, at, uh, 18th of April, uh, 2019, at 6 p.m. And casting its positive vibes to all our lovely people in Luton and the surrounding areas. Like Dunstable Harpet and Bedford and all the areas are about. Uh, you can listen us to the Inspire FM uh, website and web app. And if you are listening this show on Sunday or any other Thursday, that means it's repeat. Luckily, it's not. Um, as we all know, uh, we cover different health-related topic every single day, every single week. And and today uh, we are, as I said in the beginning of the show, we are covering two uh, topics today. The first topic or the first half of the show, we will be covering the MMR, uh, the information about MMR. And definitely for that, we will have our guest in the studios and on the phone. And on the second half, we will be discussing the healthy Ramadan and that is uh, highlighting the Ramadan which will be starting in about 15-16 days time inshallah isn't it Salman inshallah and are you prepared for it hopefully after today's show I'll be more prepared alhamdulillah <laughs> 
So without further delay, let's introduce our guest tonight. Uh, so uh, as I said, I have uh, I'm I'm feeling extremely honored, and, and thank you so much, uh, Suleiman. It's all Suleiman's uh, help uh, to arrange uh, such a lovely guest today. So uh, let's uh, let's introduce our guest in the studio first. Uh, starting from my right uh, is Dr. Osma Serva. Assalamualaikum. And sitting next to it is uh, Dr. Sh- Shanaz. Uh, uh, I forgot your surname. Akbar. Shanaz Akbar. Salaam alaikum. Walaikum salam. I'm so sorry. It's called excitement. Sorry about it. I'm extremely excited to see such lovely because people. It's been a long time. We are talking <laughs> each other now. <laughs> How are you, doctor? I'm good. And next to uh, Sh- Dr. Shanaz Akbar is Izzy. Salaam alaikum, Izzy. Welcome, Sam. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, I will ask everybody to introduce themselves, but we also have our guest on our phone. So, uh, sla- um, so let's introduce uh, the guest on the phone as well. Fiona, hello. Hello, good evening. Good evening, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. So, let's, uh, stada- let's ask uh, all our guests to introduce themselves and, uh, and give a bit of intro about themselves. So, let's start with you, Fiona. Um, I'm Fiona Anaman, I'm one of the immunisation coordinators um, working for Public Health England, but we um, work within the NHS England um, offices and we work quite closely with um, all immunisers, GP practices um, and hospitals and, and also children's centres, schools. Uh, anywhere where immunizations take place, we work with those um, staff uh, to ensure that the immunization programs are working as they should. Anybody who needs jabs, you are there for them, indeed. Mm-hmm. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and, and lastly, but not leastly, my very friend, uh, Suleiman. Suleiman, now you introduce yourself. Yes, Suleiman Rafiq, uh, Fahad's co-host for today. And yes, definitely, uh, during the daytime, he works as a legal person as well. But today, he's there as my co-host. Uh, Izzy, let's start with you now. Uh, introduce yourself, please. Um, I'm Uzza Malik. I work as a nutritionist for Total Wellbeing Luton, which is Luton's integrated healthy lifestyle service. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Sh- uh, Shanaz I'm Shanaz Akbar. I'm a consultant gynecologist and obstetrician and subspecialist in reproductive medicine and surgery at Luton and Dunstable Hospital. I also lead the fertility services at Luton and Dunstable Hospital. And definitely, and uh, Izzy and uh, Shanaz will be uh, uh, answering most part of the questions on the second half of our show, which is uh, Healthy Ramadan. And on the first half, which will be uh, led by Fiona and Dr. Uzma Server. Let's ask Uzma. Uzma. Um, hello. Uh, so I'm a GP locally, and I also uh, work in the CCG as Pediatric Clinical Director. So mm-hmm. have a hand in. Exactly, exactly. So uh, let's uh, let's ask uh, the GP first. What is MMR? Um, so MMR uh, is the vaccination uh, for measles, mumps, and rubella. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is really important, and it's the reason why I wanted to highlight it on this show. Is that locally we don't use vaccination of. MMR uh, very well mm-hmm. compared to the national and what we should be using it um, we're, we're kind of around the 80% mark whereas we should be around the 95% mark so people aren't using it you know widely and I'm 
not sure 100% why, <laughs> but this is, you know, it's important. This is the health and well-being of our children uh, and also our adults and, and pregnant ladies and everyone else. So this is, uh, it's an important topic that I think we should we should kind of yeah definitely yeah. And, and I definitely like to know who should receive these vaccinations so let's ask Fiona Fiona who should have these vaccinations well generally the vaccination um, is available to anybody that wants it anybody that has not um, suffered the diseases um, or has not had the, the vaccines but um, routinely we give it to babies around uh, one year old, 12 months old. Uh, they can have the first dose uh, and then they have the second dose at around three years and four months mm -hmm. uh, before they start school. So it's, it's usually two doses to complete the course. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and let's ask Dr. Shell. Uh, is MMR harmful, Doc? Um, so it kind of depends what we mean by harmful um, in the sense of, uh, yes, uh, you know, it is a jab and um, it has some uh, kind of side effects. So mm -hmm. you might say people might feel unwell for a few days or they might get a bit of diarrhea, something like that. But it shouldn't be as such harmful uh, or seriously harmful. Um, what the only thing that I would say is that there is a slightly increased risk of febrile convulsions. Um, but when you said febrile convulsion, what do you mean by that? So that's um, fever-related. Sorry, that's fever-related um, uh, convulsion. So it's a, it's a little kind of shaking, and is quite rare, but it still does happen in one um, to th one in three to four thousand uh, people who get the the vaccine. So it's, it is quite rare. So I would say that overall, um, the vaccination is quite safe. It's mm -hmm. quite widely used. It's used across the world. Um, and we haven't seen any serious effects from it. Hmm. The main thing I think people um, worry about is the autism link that was brought up uh, in kind of 1998. There was, a, you know, a paper released that saying that said if you get the MMR, you're more likely to get autism. Now that's that was retracted, mm -hmm. um, but it was widely uh, kind of seen, and then you know the newspapers took it up, and everyone was really worried, like, oh gosh, you know, is my child going to get autism? That is completely untrue. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> um, there've been massive studies now mm -hmm. looking um, at the links and if there are any links. And the latest study was in Denmark, looking at six hundred fifty thousand children, and they were followed for eight years to see if they uh, kind of had any uh, autism links. So, so it's you can tell that people have really looked at it now mm -hmm. and actually there's no difference in rates of autism with those who are vaccinated compared to those who aren't mm -hmm. so actually it's you know it's pretty safe in that terms and i would say um you know i've got a child who's coming up to one he is definitely getting it oh definitely definitely, <laughs> definitely yeah. so let's involve our listeners as well because i have not invited our listeners so listeners If you have any questions or queries regarding our show tonight, please, please, please do give us a call on 01582-481822. I repeat, 01582-481822. And Suleiman, what's the mobile number they can text on? They can text or WhatsApp us on 0777-481822. I repeat. Oh triple seven nine four eight one eight two two. Come on, someone, you should remember this number by heart. I don't remember yeah. any numbers. By heart. It's there. It's there. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a lot easier. <laughs>
So let's ask Fiona about how this vaccination works. So Fiona, how does this vaccination work? Well, it works by, um, you, you have the injection, um, the first dose, and it usually um, produces cells which uh, your body will be able to recognize and remember at a later date should you come across uh, any of the three viruses that are contained uh, in the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So if you're in contact with any of the diseases in the future, mm -hmm. uh, these cells will wake up and activate your body to rapidly produce antibodies and thereby uh, fighting the disease much quicker than somebody who's actually not been vaccinated and doesn't have any of these memory um, cells in mm -hmm. their body. Mm, that's interesting. That is interesting. And no doubt about it that uh, it is definitely necessary for all our kids to have it and adults if need to be. Um, so, uh, but as, as all the vaccine goes, sometimes we'd normally ask being Muslim that is it halal or not? So, Doc, what do you reckon? Is it halal? Um, so there is a let's say let's call it a vegetarian option oh, okay um, okay i like yeah. that i like that <laughs> i will explain why yeah, so there is a vegetarian option it probably um isn't the standard in the gp surgery but you can ask for it and it can be um requested and and, and you know um obtained for you basically so if sure. you're if you're uh, worried about that then definitely there is a vegetarian option um i would say that different schools of thoughts some will say that you're allowed vaccination because it's to promote your health and um you know in the same ways that medicines are allowed if so are let's sometimes. take Sarah from fiona fiona what do you reckon is there uh, is there any um what is the difference between the two versions of mmr um, one of them has got um, porcine uh, gelatin, which is used as a stabilizer, mm -hmm. and the other one, which gives it a, a longer shelf life, and the other one hasn't. So, mm -hmm. as the doctor said, uh, you can request the one that ha doesn't have the uh, porcine gelatin if you're concerned. Mm -hmm. um, but both vaccines are quite safe um, to have. But you can understand why people might want to choose the one that doesn't uh, have the porcine um, gelatin. But uh, how, how do how do a p common person like ourselves know that it has or hasn't? Um, well, they've got names. So, if you ask for the um, the the Priorix one, is the one um, that doesn't have the um, the gelatin in it. So, usually, most practices actually order a combination of the two because the two vaccines are available from Public Health England, and the practices can order them um, centrally. Um, at, at no cost to the surgeries because they are bought by the Department of Health. So they can usually, most practices will ask for a combination of the two um, to, to be able to accommodate the ones that might have a preference to one or the other. Aha. Uh -huh. hmm. That is quite interesting. So Doc, in your opinion, is it easily, easily available if, if a patient normally go to the surgery? Um, I think you know obviously as a as a patient you'd have to you would have to kind of check and and request it uh, you probably will 
hear from a practice nurse who says, oh, I don't know about that. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and with the best will in the world, uh, that's they probably haven't. And, um, and that's fine because it, the option is available and it's um, they should be able to get it for you. So I, I don't imagine it to be a difficult task to get it. No, in, 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 in that line, can I ask, um, is, uh, is it just the kids who normally get vaccinated or is it adults as well? Or if it is, then why? So with the so at the moment the um the regime is to start the immunization as kids and you know as we said at about one years old um a child will have his first or her first um mmr jab um now if you know you haven't had an mmr jab then at any age yes go seek um, a health professional and uh, and tell them you need an mmr jab mm-hmm. and you will get one um the reason, regardless of their age regardless of their age you know the kind of we're looking at school age um, and uh, kind of young teens and, and early 20s are more likely to be if they're not going to be immunized it'd be that age mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah if you're not immunized yeah you can definitely ask for one and normally what I would recommend as well is if you're going to um, a country like you know say a lot of our listeners will say be Pakistani or you know Indian or from um, Bangladesh or is Indian some continent um, those type of countries countries may have more incidence of these diseases so it's really important to think about that when you're thinking about travel so um, I definitely recommend it um, if you're if you're, you're kind of thinking about it okay okay Solomon I think so you wanted to ask something to Fiona it was just uh, a reflection firstly just in terms of as you mentioned like, a number of us are parents yes and, uh, so like my daughter is going to be one on the 25th of April. Mashallah, and, mashallah. Uh, um, <laughs> where's my invite? Where's my invite? In, in Man, come on. Her, uh, but I think it's just interesting of reflecting on what's been discussed so far that, you know, as parents, we want what's best for our children. And um, often, you know, when you hear words like measles, mumps, rubella? Rube- rube- yes. Rubella. Rubella. Yeah. They almost Not sound... Not Rebecca. No, no. no. <laughs> Not on the live video. Come on, mate. They <laughs> almost sound quite uh, they almost sound like quite ancient yeah. diseases to you know to me mm-hmm. and but the reality is is that without this uh, vaccination which we're very fortunate to have in the UK free of charge um, without this then it is something that can affect us in England it almost sounds like a disease that wouldn't necessarily be in Europe mm-hmm. uh, but the fact that it is it is very much required mm-hmm. for all of our children to be vaccinated in order to protect the whole of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's quite it's quite surprising in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, as 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 I think was said earlier, you know, is that this is something that you really have to be engaging mm-hmm. with. And and for me, if you want to know more information and speaking to professionals, and that's great. But fundamentally, it's not something that can be ignored. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just more of a reflection on what's been discussed so far around some of the intricacies around the topic. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, we need to be making sure that our children are getting um, protected. But what if we got it? It's quite a horrible thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But what if a, 
for an adult court, that's that thing. Because if I'm not mistaken, there's a very big uh, outbreak uh, in in Luton recently uh, regarding MMR uh, measles, isn't it? So if any any uh, yeah. if anybody thinks that their children or adult got measles, what they should do? Uh, what Fiona? they should do is um, if they they think uh, somebody has got uh, measles. Uh, we're trying not to spread it further. Obviously, it's quite rightly mentioned. We do have outbreaks in uh, Lucerne and uh, some parts of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. Um, so we're trying not to spread it further. So if you think you've got uh, measles, it's quite important that you phone ahead, you phone the GP practice or the hospital, wherever you're intending to go so that uh, when you arrive there, they can put you in a side room uh, and do the necessary checks um, so that you're not waiting in the waiting room together with other people. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you do have the disease, then it's highly infectious disease. Uh, you can quickly spread it to other people. So we're trying to avoid that. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mis mistaken, Shanaz, it's also harmful for pregnant ladies as yes, well? Yes, of course. Uh, before we treat them, we make sure that they are immune to rubella. Mm -hmm. And it's a mandatory thing. All right. Okay. And Izzy, what do you reckon about the healthy lifestyle for for uh, for kids and to 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 avoid MMR? Um, yeah, just maintaining an active lifestyle and eating healthy from the beginning, so that they're getting the nutrients um, and minerals that are needed to boost their immune system to mm -hmm. supplement the. Um, the vaccination mm -hmm. yeah. and and doc what are the signs and symptoms so if uh, if uh, how person can understand or realize that yes they have it um, well, or not to have it <laughs> <laughs> it's actually harder than it it looks I'll say, <laughs> I'll say that first not um, the spotty person yeah, <laughs> absolutely absolutely um, and so you have to understand that most of these are viral or, or sorry all of these are viral illnesses and um, they can present kind of just with fever um, you know cough diarrhea all those type of small issues or mostly with measles and rubella more actually and then measles will have this characteristic rash so um, that rash has you know a GP should be able to identify or if they're worried about it they will then ask for further testing mm -hmm. um, the problem is that there are serious consequences to things like measles mm -hmm. and you have to re recognize that measles is one of the most contagious uh, infections in the world um, really yeah so so more than flu more than Ebola okay wow so that's that's how infectious it is and so it's you know uh, if uh, sorry uh, repeat that it's more than a flu more than more contagious than flu and more contagious than ebola so this is you know so it, it, it doesn't have <laughs> and uh, so now i'm feeling scared <laughs> i'm feeling so, scared now so if you think in a room of 100 people mm -hmm. um you know more than half of them will definitely get it if they if they're exposed to someone who's um who's had uh, measles mm -hmm. so if they're in that room for 15 minutes so that's you know it tells you the level of you know infection that can spread mm -hmm. how quickly it could spread through say a school or you know even a waiting room and so it's really important to kind of keep people if you suspect it to separate them and but let people know as well yeah so it's, it is really important but the serious so measles I are, for me is the most serious out of the three um, mm -hmm. because it it does have consequences that include, you know, um, permanent disability, brain damage, pneumonia, um, and you know, in some cases, death. And 
I know that sounds quite scary to be saying on the radio, but it's actually, you know, it is one of the things we measure uh, globally and in the UK, how many deaths are ha- happening because of measles. So I don't want to scare the listeners, but I do a little bit. But yeah, wow. so go, go get your kids immunised. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, 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 just to back that up in terms of before the, before the programme where I was just doing a little bit looking into measles. Um, so public health, because it's been 50 years since the programme started yeah. and Public Health England estimated that 20 million measles cases have been averted in the UK since the introduction of the first measles containing vaccine into the childhood immunization program Mm -hmm. so you think 20 million measles cases have been averted as a result of this program which was 50 years last year Um, so it really is something we're very fortunate to have um, access to Mm -hmm. across our population Wow, wow, wow. We just have literally two minutes to end this part of the show. So let's take a quick um, advices from everyone. So um, uh, Fiona, let's start with you. Do you have any any advice or any uh, quick tips for our listeners to share? Yeah, if you're not sure that uh, you're, you're vaccinated, you can contact your GP practice and they should be able to find that information for you. Uh, if you think you've got measles, uh, like I said before, call ahead so that we don't spread it to anybody else. Mm-hmm. It's a very safe and effective vaccine. So um, please, let's protect ourselves and our children. Okay, thank cool. Uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Fiona. Uh, Dr. Silva? Um, just echoing what Fiona has said already. And, um, yeah, so if you're uh, at home and you don't know or you think you haven't had it, go get it done. Go get it checked. Don't definitely, wait. definitely. Yeah. If you if you are in doubt, definitely go and get checked. And keep, uh, if, if a person who have uh, 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 measles, please keep away from pregnant ladies, if I'm not mistaken, as Shana said earlier. So uh, as we are approaching quickly towards our uh, first, half of the show i will thank uh, uh fiona our guest on the phone to uh, to be part of the show so thank you so much fiona for coming to the show welcome. and being part of the show and and sharing this well, lovely knowledge with us me. you're most welcome you definitely did it the first time but not the last time ever so you will be called again inshallah okay thank you so much all right thank you and, and and that was fiona and we will be back after these very short messages You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and good evening to all our listeners and viewers. Welcome back to the Health and Fitness Show. Uh, I'm your host for the second half of today's show, Suleiman Rafiq, and have the envious task of trying to uh, come after Fahad Matin's enthusiasm. So I don't think anyone can quite match that, but hopefully uh, we've got some fantastic guests that will be able to uh, bring some insight into the second half of the show. So for those of us who weren't here in the first First half, uh, just to recap, we were discussing MMR, friend or foe. And if anyone would like to listen back to that, then you can do so on the podcast or the repeat on Sunday or the Facebook video, which stays on Facebook. Is that right, Fahad? Yes, indeed. Fantastic. So yes, yes, indeed, and yes, indeed, and you can, you can do the same enthusiasm, uh, <laughs> But hey, ho, that's that's you. That's, that's, that's me. That's me. I'm sli- a slightly different style to it. Absolutely. Um, so just to re- recap, this program is broadcasting live today on Thursday, the 18th of April, 2019, from the studios of Inspire FM. And I'm delighted to say we still have in the studio with us uh, Shanaz, Izzy, and Usman. Salam alaikum, guys. 
Fantastic. So, wow, that's a chorus. Come on. <laughs> that's a cover chorus. We've got so much to fit in. I can't say it to you separately. So I appreciate the chorus on that. Absolutely. So without further ado, um, we were discussing a very serious topic in the first half in regards to MMR friend or foe. But in the second half, we will be talking about Ramadan and preparing for Ramadan, which hopefully you've been hearing lots about on Inspire FM. Fahad, you feeling ready? Oh, yes, indeed. Always ready. Fahad is always ready for everything. So that's that's a good place to be. So what we'll be doing, Shanaz, is we'll be focusing the first half on um, talking about pregnancy and Ramadan. Yes. And then we'll be moving on to talk much more generally about healthy eating and Ramadan as well. Um, so could I firstly ask you to just introduce yourself? As I said previously, I'm Shanaz Akbar. I'm a consultant gynecologist and obstetrician and subspecialist in reproductive medicine and surgery at Luton and Dunstable Hospital. And I lead the fertility and IVF services at Luton and Dunstable Hospital. Fantastic. And I'm delighted to share with listeners that we are going to have a dedicated show on the 9th of May, which we will be discussing much more detail around fertility and yes, pregnancy. Yes. And I know we've had a lot of um, interest in that yes, show. Yes. So we're really looking forward to it. We're going to dedicate a whole hour to fertility and pregnancy with your expertise uh, we're also joined uh, by Izzy could you introduce yourself I'm one of the nutritionists that work on um, the integrated lifestyle services in Luton so total well-being um, and I'm in the weight management team so we run programs across Luton for families adults and pregnant ladies too Fair. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time and we still have Uzma Dr. Uzma Sawaz in there. Am I pronouncing your surname correctly? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say yeah. <laughs> if it was my dad, he'd be saying Sarvar. Yeah, That's a polite way of correcting me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Fantastic, fantastic. Local GP, we're delighted to have you joining us. Thank you so much for your time. So let's get on in regards to the specific uh, topic about pregnancy and Ramadan. So Shanaz, can you just um, share with us your expert opinion? Opinion around is it safe in uh, Ramadan if a, for uh, a pregnant woman to be fasting? Yes, uh, Salman, this is a very controversial uh, issue because there are various uh, studies performed which show some evidence that it has some effect uh, in terms of having premature delivery or smaller babies or a smaller placenta or less fluid around the baby. However, other studies, including the recent studies, uh, they did not conclude anything. So still we do not know. And so we need to have plenty of more research on this subject. However, personally, I believe yep. that pregnancy is a very demanding state uh, on a woman's body in mm. terms of nutrients and uh, fluids. And also depending on her overall health in general, as well as uh, the stage of pregnancy, whether it's first half of pregnancy, first trimester when she's very sick and vomiting, or the later third trimester when she's heavily pregnant, baby's full grown, and uh, she needs in more demand, or as well as especially the time of the month, uh, the Ramadan is falling the time yeah. of the year, if it is a very hot summer day. So yeah then she needs to take cautious and uh, I advise if a woman decide to go get uh, observe Ramadan then she should seek advice uh, from her GP and her, her midwife to make sure she does not have any health issues or any contraindication to herself or her unborn baby so she should be considered at low risk 
uh, before she start observing uh, Ramadan. So if if a pregnant lady want to um, fast, uh, which is pretty much most of the ladies or men who try to fast during the month of Ramadan, uh, what uh, a what trimester uh, that person should be, uh, that lady should yeah, be in, yeah. and 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 uh, what sort of sort of health state she should be in. Okay, as I just mentioned, uh, it's her personal uh, uh, choice, which we should respect. However, for her sake of health, healthy health and her unborn baby, she should seek advice from her midwife and her GP to make sure there is no contraindications. And when she uh, considered as low risk, I suggest personally that she should not continuously fast, at least skip some days. And Islamic law, allows the pregnant woman to opt out uh, fasting or breastfeeding, which she can make up uh, other time when she's ready. Mm-hmm. So instead of having continuous fasting, I suggest to at least have our weekends or at least two or one day skip between. And then she needs to focus more on her balanced diet and nutrition. She, at the time of uh, Sahar, when she start fasting, so she should take foods which release energy very slowly, like foods uh, which are uh, having low glycemic index, which Lizzie may uh, speak more about it. And also take uh, foods uh, which are wholemeal bread, wholemeal pasta, and uh, cereals which are bran or uh, oat-based, and as well as beans and uh, some nuts which are not uh, salty. And during the daytime, take rest as much as she can. If it's a hot summer, she should stay indoor and cool. And when she opens her fast, she should uh, drink plenty of fluids as well as uh, consume food which are rich in water, like fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, soups and stews and uh, rest in between. Mm-hmm. And like you say, because the fasts obviously at the moment are very yes, long. Yes, I, yeah. I definitely feel they're long. Yes, <laughs> yes. I don't know about anyone else. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, how long are they this year? They're like... Uh, it's 18, uh, 18 hours 18, hours. 18 plus minus Osma um, you uh, you have recently gone through that phase so have you have you fasted or have you skipped <laughs> ooh, ooh. Uh, no. so I have I I didn't fast um, I personally I sorry I put you on the spot <laughs> no that's absolutely fine that's absolutely fine um, <laughs> I was going to say but in my experience no um, so I I didn't fast just uh, because you know I, I was feeling quite dizzy um uh, definitely towards the end of my pregnancy and um actually it was just too much uh to to handle um because i uh, you know i don't think you appreciate it until you're in that situation but it's really it, it can be really taxing and uh you know it, it's difficult as well because you can't even put your shoes on and read namaz properly so you feel a bit like well <laughs> i'm not quite in the flow that i should be and actually if allah's given me this respite then i'm going to take it that's that was my uh, thoughts on it anyway i suggest uh, uh, to have if a lady would decide to fast second trimester is the best time mm-hmm. because first trimester she's vomiting sick not eating properly so she gets dehydrated mm-hmm. and which is not good for her and third trimester when she's heavily pregnant and baby's fully grown and she's very tired mm-hmm. but if she's low risk and she continue to fast then skip the days in between.
Mm-hmm. So, listeners, there's a reason why we do this show live, and that's to allow you to either call or text. So, you can do that by calling us on what's the number for head? 0152481822. Or call us or text us or WhatsApp us on 0779481822. Fantastic. It's, it's not that number so much better than I do. No, it's just behind <laughs> you. I'm looking at you, but I'm looking at the number. I should have covered it up like you did. So, uh, just find just in relation to um, are there any particular warning signs that if someone is pregnant and fasting they should look out for? Yes, dehydration is uh, a very common sign that women should uh, look into because she's not drinking. So if she started feeling thirsty and passing very dark colored urine, she need to keep an eye. And if she started uh, passing very less amount of urine, having headaches or dizzy, she should uh, break fast, especially if she's feeling fine and when she breaks her fast she should take a very sweet drink and also some salty snack or uh, even a oral rehydration salt and rest and should not fast for for the few more days and if she still continue to feel sick dizzy and having headaches she should consult her uh, doctor immediately Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic. Now I'm conscious you actually have to get off to a clinic, which yes. is quite quite <laughs> commitment. So I just want to really thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank As I you. say, for listeners that are interested in the fertility and pregnancy topic, we will be discussing that on the 9th of May, and so we're delighted that we'll be having you back in the studio. Uh, but we'll now graciously thank let you leave you. and see your patients. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Great. Bye-bye. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. So now we'll be moving on to discuss in more general terms and I'm going to be asking Izzy most of the questions now in relation to uh, obviously Ramadan is coming and people might have already started doing their uh, shopping uh, to start getting prepared mm-hmm. people are more prepared than me well uh, you know I was thinking of uh, fasting today because one of the things which I normally do before Ramadan to prepare my body yep. is to, to fast uh, mon- and Thursdays and Mondays uh, so definitely bank holiday Monday is a day off so I will be definitely fasting on that day Great, there you go. So some people are already fasting and getting the practice in, which is great. Just showing off there, Fahad. <laughs> <laughs> but Izzy, I mean, from your experience, as you said, you do a lot around healthy eating and supporting people with weight management. Um, and given the, the time that people are fasting, is Ramadan, uh, you know, is it possible to have a more balanced uh, diet during Ramadan, given the fact that people are fasting for so long and therefore craving so much many different foods? Absolutely. Um, So it's probably the best time to adopt a healthier lifestyle. Um, If we avoid all like the fried foods which are traditionally eaten during iftar time like samosas or pakore and things like that, (laughs) uh, it it would do the opposite. It could lead to weight gain. However, if we maintain a balanced diet, um, try and include all the major food groups um, which are on the Eat Well Guide, it is much easier to control your uh, food intake which also will help with um, aid weight loss and can reduce uh, better control diabetes and reduce blood pressure in the long term as mm-hmm. well. Because it's interesting because we, we, most of us, thank you, most of us do uh, uh, open our fast with dates and water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. generally speaking, it starts off quite healthily. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it just all goes downhill <laughs> from there. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the samosas yeah. and pakoras and everything else like that. Well, uh, you can afford it, not me. Unfortunately, you know that. Yeah, I wish, I wish. That's, you, I that's wish. one of the reasons I, <laughs> I was hiding all the numbers behind me. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, though, isn't it? 
think I don't think any of us can afford it as such, can we? Because yeah. of the impact that it's having on our bodies. Yeah, and because the fasts are so long, you you only need to eat a little bit to feel quite full very quickly. So it's really important that you make the most of that meal time, so that you're replacing fluids um, and making up the making up any missed nutrients or minerals or vitamins that would be lacking from not eating um, and replacing water which is also really important mm-hmm. um, otherwise we will be const- constantly eating the wrong types of food which isn't going to benefit us in any way especially when you then go on to the night prayers and stuff you don't want to be feeling quite fatigued and um, bloated and from eating the you know high fat high sugary foods so sure. so we've spoken a lot about foods that we can't have what foods would you then recommend specifically yeah so um the doctor here uh (laughs) dr shanaz she mentioned about trying to go for foods which are whole grain whole Mm. wheat um low glycemic foods so those are foods which are absorbed a lot slower into our bloodstreams and therefore will provide us with a sustained energy release um and you want to aim for that at both your meal times we're only eating twice a day so you need to make sure that you're getting um you know eating carbohydrates at each meal time um basing your main meal around a starchy carbohydrate things like bran flakes cereals and um, eating potatoes with the skin on um, rice um, basmati rice especially it's shown to have a, a much lower glycemic than um, other like your standard grain rice so okay. um, it releases energy over a longer period of time um, trying not to go for like fried foods or anything that's coated in sugar like I don't know, jalebis or Matai oh. um, and things that like means, that. That means you are cutting down 99% of all the Asian foods that we normally have during the time yeah. of no study. No she, she saved biryani. Yeah, <laughs> you saved biryani. Yeah. You're my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because often we talk about what we shouldn't have. I think mm-hmm. it's nice I'm for a change to flip that around yeah. and talk about what we can have. And, you know, yeah. So yeah. biryani in um, moderation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a like you can add protein to it, your yeah. chicken or meat, you can yeah. add your vegetables to it Um, but it's also really important to make sure that we're not eating for example in your sahur meal time Mm. it might be quite common to eat baratas and stuff which is obviously going to be quite greasy and with the butter that's added to it it would be high in salt so that might increase your thirst throughout the day later on Um, so trying to cook with wholemeal flour um, eating oats in the morning that would be a much better option to have than um, you know those foods greasy foods that will probably not give us the energy throughout the day. In in a general sense, uh, definitely you are saying that don't eat any desi food, eat just English foods. <laughs> well, I'm not saying not to <laughs> eat. No, no. <laughs> You're no. not listening to that. Then give, us, give, us, give us the quick uh, desi options of those foods. So rather than having a brata, just have a, a normal chapati with wholemeal flour. Mm-hmm. It, you can still have your curry to go along with that. Just add some salad, maybe have some fruit or something to go along with that. It doesn't have to be um, greasy mm-hmm. food. So some of what you're saying is around cooking methods. Yeah. So it's not it's around how we're preparing yeah. our traditional foods yeah. Yeah. rather than necessarily <laughs> not having any uh, of our traditional yeah. foods yeah it all comes down to cooking methods you can change the glycemic index of a food just by its cooking method if you were to fry a potato um, turn it into a chip obviously that's going to be much higher in fat therefore increasing the glycemic index or um, by baking it with the skin on it will be much um, the energy will be released a lot slower so it does come back down to cooking methods um, so only bake some muscles for you, Salman. 
I can live with that. Yeah. I can't. So what's that? Rolls are my lovely things. And so obviously we spoke about dates in terms of you know it would be dates galore in all the shops yeah. and in everyone's houses. Yeah. Are there any other kind of fruits and vegetables that you particularly think are are you know keep you keep you satisfied throughout the day? Well, I know in our household we eat a lot of watermelon. If they are trying, it's usually quite good because it's uh, very. I don't know what's the word hydrating because it's mm. uh, high it's got high water content mm-hmm. um, so trying to start off with um, a bowl of watermelon or some fruit maybe then go and pray let that settle a bit and then come back and have your dinner your main meal mm-hmm. um, but the key is not to eat too much too quickly because you will feel bloated mm. um, and when it comes to replacing water not drinking enough or if it's like five minutes before you've got to close your fast and you chug down a glass of water that's not really going to do any good because you'll probably excrete it out mm-hmm. um, whereas replace like sipping throughout the whole evening um, in small amounts and making sure your body contains that would be a lot more beneficial um as well mm-hmm. There you go. That's something between doing and dates. Now. Obviously, it is a sunnah to open the fast with the dates, and dried fruit generally is quite high in sugar, so mm. um, it's fine to eat the dates at the time of opening your fast because it gives us that spike in our yeah. blood sugar levels. Um, so you have that bit of energy to um, break your fast. And what about closing a fast just before closing a fast? What's the best thing to have? I generally just have like porridge or cereal or something. I'm not really a big eater in the mornings. Um, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I would recommend you try and drink as much between um, the two meals and not having anything high in sugar or mm-hmm. high in fat in the morning meal because generally if it's high in fat, it'll be high in salt, so that will increase your thirst throughout the day. Um, and also it won't give you that sustained energy release that you that we need especially mm-hmm. when the fasts are so long mm-hmm. and so, so for some people listening they might be thinking of the double benefits you might be able to have in Ramadan which is where you're not only getting the reward of fasting but because you're not eating for so many hours if you are eating healthily when you're um, when you are allowed to um, are some people kind of being able to lose weight during the period or do you does your body go into what some people call starvation mode so your your body enters a state of uh, fat, like the benefits of um, fasting are seen after like eight hours. We don't ever really go into starvation mode because we still eat at the end of the day. So it's only after prolonged times of um, not eating like days or weeks, your body really goes into starvation mode. But um, you your body starts uh, burning um, glucose or glycogen, which is stored glucose in our muscles and liver um, as the first point of energy. Um, when we are fasting once that's been used up or depleted your body then turns to fat stores and that's where you would see the um, weight loss effects if we eat and maintain a balanced diet throughout the month Mm. um, you will see a weight loss because your body is turning to fat to produce energy Um, but if we're constantly then eating fried foods in the evening you're just you're not going to see that benefit because you're just kind of replacing all of that with fat sure <laughs> yeah i know a lot of people i don't know if you found this in terms of a lot of people having lucasade um you know i mean let's ask our guests what are your thoughts on that um, well, I, I guess that's they're trying to think. Oh, we, we need to be rehydrated, and that's a, a very sugary uh, drink, and they therefore go for it. But uh, yeah, not my personal. Yeah, because it is now yeah. not recommended for diabetic people. Type one diabetic, it was part of the kit, uh, but they are now uh, taken off from the kits. Mm. So um, yeah, because of the sugar tax, they reduced the, the amount of sugar. If you wanted to make a drink that would have um, that would uh, replace any lost electrolytes 
electrolytes through dehydrating, just add a pinch of salt and sugar to a bottle of water mm -hmm. or squash. Um, you might struggle with water. Um, uh, having squash and then adding a pinch of salt, uh, sugar will replace any lost electrolytes. Mm. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Uh, in your opinion, Doc, uh, what should a person do during the month of, uh, at the time of opening or closing fasts? Pray. No, no, I'm joking. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, just echoing what what Izzy has said, this is, uh, you know, uh, hopefully not to binge eat, uh, mm -hmm. which I think we're all, we can all do. And, you know. Um, <laughs> Especially in the month of Ramadan, that's yeah. yeah. the fast open. Uh, all like, in moderation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Yeah, so you know, I think I think it's just to avoid binge eating, and yeah. then, it's interesting actually. Can I ask a question? Of course. Yeah, sure. yeah. Oh, there we go. Excellent. Um, so, Izzy, I have. I'm going to say family members who take it to the other extreme, right? So they will open their fast, eat a tiny bit, and you know, a date and something or whatever, and then go to the gym. Mm. Yeah. Now, I'm sure you've probably heard this and seen yeah. this, and I think it's a young boy thing. I don't know if it's a if it's a, <laughs> it's a reasonable yeah. thing to say, but um, yeah, I don't. What do you? T what's your take on that as a nutrition side? It, everyone's different, so obviously it's really important to make sure that you have got the energy to be able to do a workout, especially because the fasts are so long. Um, we it probably would be better to have a meal beforehand and then wait a little while and then do a workout because you're more likely to digest your food better to then help you know prepare you for the next meal because the window to eat it is very short so if you've had a meal an hour ago and then it's almost time to eat again it can be quite difficult so maybe eating first um, even if it's just a light meal it doesn't have to be a big meal just so that they've got the energy um, to do the workout because otherwise you could end up with feeling really tired fatigue um, and it'll be really difficult to replace any glu glycogen that would be used up through the exercise because um, I think one of the concerns is around um, so I know some friends of mine who's have throughout the year spent a lot of time in the gym and like you mentioned earlier one of the concerns is you're losing a lot of muscle mass through, yeah. through the process and so have plans that after the night prayers because there's only so much of a period to go to sleep so yeah. they're then thinking they're going to use that period to go to the gym uh, just to try and maintain yeah. the hard work that they've done throughout the year yeah you only lose muscle mass once your body goes into a, a real state of starvation and right. we never get to that state so okay. they might feel like they're losing yeah. weight or muscle mass but mm. it's not probably it's not that it'll probably be like water weight or something okay. um so we you'd only really lose muscle mass after like full days of fasting but we always eat at the end of the day so there and wouldn't be like a massive risk of sure. muscle wastage sure, sure, sure. as we almost and near to the end of the show so what are your uh uh, what's uh, messages for our lovely users or listeners who eat like hell <laughs> especially in the month of Ramadan <laughs> we, there's nothing wrong with eating or making a bit more of an effort with food especially if you're providing food to other people like family friends neighbors to break their so it's nice and it is like a sense of you know it is like a coming together of the community um but we shouldn't differ our everyday eating patterns to the other extreme and have all like these fried foods um it can interfere with one's um spirituality we should be focusing on getting closer to or strengthening our religion or faith um but we are actually running a, a four-week ramadan course as part of total well-being i'm working on it at the moment so that will be running on a thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 p.m um and it will be around 
around healthy eating. Uh, we will have one of my Stop Smoking colleagues um, to offer support for quitting smoking um, and also a bit of light exercise, so yoga as well. So if there are any listeners out there that want to take part, um, just go on the Total Wellbeing uh, Facebook page and we have all our contact details on there. So people can uh, self-refer themselves? Yep, yep. Fantastic, so there you go. And Uzma, what's your final message? Um, I think uh, I'm going to take away that I can have biryani. Fantastic, great. Jazakallah khair to all of our guests. Really appreciate that. We'll be back again next week. Uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org? And follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.